Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. As Pastor and Wendy and I were talking about how we wanted to kick off our Advent series and how we wanted to begin to talk about hope, we, we realized we didn't want to just talk about hope. We wanted to introduce you to an emissary of hope, someone who, like Jesus, arrived in a foreign land uh, to minister to people in their own brokenness. So this morning, uh, we have a missionary with us, a friend of ours named Cody Spang. Cody gave his yes to Jesus when he was 14 years old. When he was 15 years old, he went on his first missions trip to Asia. And now Cody is the vice president of an organization called Homes of Hope that mobilizes 7,000 people a year to build homes for those who don't have the resources to build their own. They're in 27 different countries. Cody has built himself in 16 different countries. And Cody doesn't simply come this morning with a message of hope. Cody comes with a ministry of hope. So would you put your hands together and welcome our good friend, Cody Spang. Good morning, everybody. I'm so uh, thankful and grateful I could be here with you this morning. Um, I didn't have to come that far. It's only like an hour flight. So uh, if any of you guys are interested, you can come check out Mexico. I I know a place where you can stay and hang out. So I'll start (laughs) off with that. So uh, I wanted to start by introducing my family. I have a uh, uh, beautiful family. Uh, I bring them down a couple notches, but uh, my wife, Lindsay, we've been married for uh, about 16 years. My daughter, Brielle, is nine, and my son, Ezra, is six, and uh, we live in Tijuana, Mexico, and um, we've been, well, I, I've been ministering there just over 23 years in, in Mexico, working with uh what John said, Homes of Hope. Actually, the organization is called Youth with a Mission. Any of you guys heard of Youth with a Mission before? So, the program that I lead is called Homes of Hope. And uh, I showed up in Mexico when I was 19 years old. Uh, I knew I wanted to travel the world and help people because I had a powerful experience when I was 15 in Hong Kong, China. Uh, I told the guys I wouldn't say too much because I shared with them last night. But um, part of that trip in Hong Kong, we spent in a refugee camp. And Uh, I saw people that were hurting and broken and stuck, and there was no way for them to leave the situation that they were in, and we showed up for a few minutes and um, were able to show them that we saw them and that we wanted a better future for them. We didn't do anything special. We didn't cook for them or feed them, build them a house or anything extravagant. We just loved them, and uh, I saw a little bit of hope in, in their eyes and in their life in that short time, and for them to um, see that somebody cared about them and was able to engage with them um, was powerful for me. And that's when I decided I was going to fight for people who couldn't fight for themselves. So from the time I was 15 to ending up in Mexico when I was 19, I was looking for something to do. So um, I volunteered at the church all the time as much as I could be there, as much as they'd let me there. They even gave me keys and code so I could help out around there. It was awesome. Um, and uh, the, every missions trip. So I would, in the winter, I would go to Mexico with the college group, even though I was only like 16. Uh, in the summer, I'd go with the youth group, wherever we would go, um, just trying to help and bring that hope and fight for people who couldn't fight for themselves. So when I was 19 and um, looking for something to do, and my friend said, you should go to Mexico and uh, do this program. And sure enough, I went down there, and they've been stuck with me for 23 years. Um, um, 
we build these simple little houses. There's nothing super special to them. Uh, it's just the basic needs. So that's kind of our philosophy is um, if we really loved our neighbor, what would we do? And it's help them be sufficient. So it's not a dream house. It's a simple little structure. It keeps them safe. It keeps them dry. And uh, we're able to impact their life in 10 hours. We're not there very long. A day and a half, we knock out the house and we're out of their life forever. But the impact it makes, um, being there for 23 years, I got hundreds and hundreds of stories of families whose lives that were impacted. Um, for a few years, I led our Ensenada campus. Uh, it's about an hour south of the border. And we were having some problems with neighbors because we grew really fast. We went from like 12 staff to 40 staff. And when I say staff, I mean 18, 19-year-olds. And then I was the leader. I was like 23 at the time. So we needed some help. We drove our vans too fast on the dirt road. Our music was too loud. We, we weren't very good neighbors, to be honest. And um, uh, during this season, actually, I went to go work in the Gulf Coast. And um, I spent nine months there doing Hurricane Rita, Katrina relief. And I came back, and the guy that was leading the base while I was gone did a really bad job working with the neighbors because he was a little bit older, and he's like, hey, they're kids. What am I going to do? And when they would come before and say, hey, the music's too loud, I'd actually get them a cup of coffee and walk in and turn down the music and talk with them because they were our neighbors. I felt like they were part of our ministry. And um, the neighbors got really mad, so they called the city council and tried to get us <laughs> closed down. Uh, it, it was that bad. And so what I did was, because of the homes we built, we have a lot of connections with local government, um, community leaders. So I invited the mayor and everybody in, and we did this big, look at how awesome YWAM is. We bring this many people here. This is our economic impact to your city, and we're so good. Look at us. And... Um, when they were coming in, we had a nice lunch set up for him, and I looked at the guy, and I was like, I know you from somewhere, and I went to shake his hand, and he just laughed at me and walked away. I was like, what in the world? So I thought maybe the guy had a friend that was a neighbor that complained or something like that, and we give this whole presentation and say, look at how great YWAM is, and this guy stands up and says, Mr. Spang, Mr. Curtis, you did a good job trying to explain who you guys are, but you failed miserably. Let me explain who you guys are, and so he gets up and he starts talking and telling the story. I have a friend, or I know a guy who grew up, he came from another city and uh, lived in this poor community, and you guys went and built a house for him. And that's great, that, that's the story. But what happened was, after you built a house for him, his life changed. He went and got a better education, went to school. Him and his wife both got better jobs. His kids finished school, and I'm that guy. He went to school, became a lawyer, became part of the city council and now was affecting his community because of the simple house that YWAM built for him. And so looking back 23 years, we have hundreds of stories of, like that we didn't even know. Like I recognize the guy, he threw out this picture, it was me holding his one-year-old baby in his hand, a little angel, and he's like, that's why you remember me. And so the impact that that made in that room right there changed everything. Everyone's crying and uh, they walked out, they didn't close us down, so we're still there happily serving doing ministry. And so in about 2009, we got devastated because of swine flu, the news of violence in Mexico with the cartel, uh, the financial uh, recession that hit. We lost about 80% of our teams in Mexico. And a lot of it was people were just afraid to go to Mexico. And uh, I had a friend I met at a YWAM conference. He was working in Costa Rica and 
we didn't have a lot of teams, so when this earthquake hit, I called him and said, hey, what's going on in Costa Rica? Do you need some help? And he's like, yeah, we need a ton of help. We're trying to help these families that were affected. And so I took a small team from our base, like eight staff, and we went and built the first house in Costa Rica. Well, I'm there. One of our biggest teams called and said, we're going to cancel Mexico. We can't go because of the violence, because of all the news, swine flu, because it's ground zero was Mexico, even though in San Diego there was like 80% more cases than in Tijuana, but that's besides the point. So anyways, we, uh, we figured out how to host that team in Costa Rica, and so that kind of launched this uh, picture up here I'll show you guys. This is Homes of Hope Now um, in the last 12 years. Now we build in 26 different countries. Uh, we're going to build, uh, it says 7,000 at the bottom there, you can't see it, but now it's going to be 7,600. This year we're going to build 500 houses in uh, a bunch of those different countries. And um, like if you look at the map, uh, building material is different in Haiti than it is in Mexico. Um, everywhere we, where we go, we have to kind of figure out a system of how we're going to build these houses. So uh, I went to Uganda. We're looking at building houses there and uh, trying to figure out what material. Wood's not available. Uh, cinder block, not only is it difficult to build with, it's actually not a very good building material. So I decided we were going to try and do this ICF. So me and my friends, we innovated a system that made these uh, styrofoam blocks. And I knew I was going to build with these blocks. Oh, look, there's a picture of them right there. They got them. So they're basically giant Legos. And so you fill it with cement. And uh, the system that we innovated, you could fit in the back of like a, a little cargo trailer and take it anywhere to the middle of nowhere and build these blocks. And that's a house that looks like a normal stucco house. But I figured if I use these super insulated blocks and I put a tin roof on, I was going to kill people because I went in a house that was cement block and had a tin roof, and it was like a sauna in there. So uh, me and my friends, we started talking, and we came up with these roof panels. That is the next slide coming up. And if you look at the roof panels, it's got a male and female, and these are the very first ones, so that's why they look really bad. Sorry. But uh, what we did was we poured it there, and then I set it up on this ramp. I was like, let's see how strong it is. And I ran and jumped on it. That's why you see me right there on that. It didn't bend at all. So these were super strong. So we didn't have to do any roof structure. We figured out how to do the house. Um, so in Uganda, in four days, you can build a house with a couple barrels of this. Uh, you know that great foam stuff that you spray? And if you get on your hand, it never comes off. So I have it all over like a lot of my clothes. And I probably still have some on my hands. Um, but we were able to do this. And so I had uh, this idea five years ago that I could use those roof panels that we have right there, and I could build emergency structures for, like, refugee camps or areas where they have crisis. And I've wanted to do it for a long time, but never really had this opportunity to do a pilot program, see if it worked. And then in May, I got a phone call from... Uh, one of our partners on the list, there's YWM Romania. They started building in 2018. And uh, they called me and said, hey, I got a phone call from Ukraine. 40,000 people are going to die this year from exposure. They don't have adequate shelter or housing. What are we going to do? And so uh, um, me and a couple of guys, we hopped on a plane, flew over to Romania. I thought I was going to have to build a factory and make all the panels. Luckily, you can buy everything there now. It's super easy. So um, we went to a couple stores, bought the panels, did a prototype there. 
showed it to everybody. They loved it. Um, originally, the idea was super small, simple, cheap, just keep people alive. And um, then we started hearing stories like this lady right here, Galena. That was her house. Uh, got hit by a missile. Uh, actually, out, out in her front yard, in her neighbor's yard, there were buckets of shells that we helped clean up and rake up. Uh, a bunch of the debris, and uh, she's house number one. She's the first house that we finished in Ukraine. Uh, the next one is a picture of her house being built, and then you can see a finished house. That's a simple structure right there. Um, and uh, in just two seconds, I'm going to show a video, but I am obligated by my friends Tim and Florine from Tim Wimberly is a Foursquare missionary who works in Romania. Uh, Florine, he is the YWAM leader that leads Homes of Hope in Romania, but they begged me and told me to make sure I say thank you to you guys because you helped bring hope to Ukraine. Uh, the donation you guys sent, I think, built three and a half houses or something like that, so we're so thankful that you guys were partners with us in bringing hope to 100 families like Gaina in Ukraine. So here's a quick video just so you guys can see um, what the houses look like that you guys were a part of. So in that last video, that was... I hope you're clapping for yourself. You guys were some of the people that made it possible. So uh, I just... Uh, so thankful for partners like Anya. She's the YWAM leader there. So we've done 100 houses in uh, Ukraine. Um, and today, uh, John said I can talk about whatever I want, but it's hope. So I thought I would talk a little bit about hope and what hope is. Um, and just thinking of Ukraine, I can't remember how many houses actually I built because some days we do like three a day. They take about six hours to build the house. And so we were just going from one house to the next, trying to get as much done as we could. So the first eight days we built 50 houses. And then uh, the second trip I was there, we did 25 houses and then in between there and now we've done the last 25 houses. So they go up pretty quick and pretty simple. We had volunteers come from all over the world. Uh, Europe represented in a big way, sent a bunch of teams from Paris and Germany. Romania sent lots and lots of people. And uh, it took a couple villages to rebuild the villages that we were working in. But um, uh, it was house number 76. So it's easy to like remember a number but I remember the names of the family as well. So uh, Igor and uh, Sylvia, they um, had built their dream home in, in the village. So they had three companies in Kiev, a house. They sold everything except for one of their small companies that was a part-time deal, and they, they moved to the village where we were working about an hour and a half outside of Kiev. And when the Russians were coming, everyone thought they were entering Kiev. Uh, Ukraine, they started blowing up their own bridges so the tanks couldn't come into the city, and um, people fled the city and headed to the village looking for shelter, thinking all Kiev was going to get uh, uh, demolished, and so Igor and Sylvia, they had a lot of friends in Kiev, so about 14 people were being hosted in their house. Um, it was their dream house. It had a couple big furnaces, nice and warm. They had uh, 167 trees in their yard and a beautiful garden, a big cellar. When I say a big cellar, it was big, but I went down there, and me and two other guys could fit in there comfortably. But when uh, the Russians decided they couldn't get to Kiev and turned towards the small villages in the forest where all the people fled, 
Um, everyone fled to their cellars, which now were bomb shelters, but only 13 people could fit in there. So Igor uh, kept all of his friends and family in the cellar, and he decided he was going to try and camp out in his house. And when the missile hit his house, um, he got a bunch of shrapnel in his gut and uh, had to drive through the forest. They had some, uh, like, jewelry, wax-coated stuff. They stitched him up and drove through, like, the minefield in the forest to get him to a hospital to get some help. And uh, he's doing good now. He's still got a bunch of scars and, on his gut. And so when he was at the build, he kept holding his stomach and said, every time I look at my house, I remember the pain I felt. And um, in Mexico, where, where we build all the time, or other countries in Uganda, Costa Rica, typically we're building for families who have never had anything. And so for them to have a piece of land in their name is a big deal. And when we give them a, a home, it takes them from crisis to crisis to being able to um, be active members of the community, to become like Umberto, lawyers and uh, professionals in the workforce. Um, but for someone who had their dream house and desires, they were retiring. And then to lose everything, it was a lot different for, for me. Like I, I had a difficult time trying to process what does hope look like? Because it's not even a new beginning for them. Like we built them an emergency shelter. It's it's nice, but it's small. It's it might last them ten years or something like that. But it's it's different. <laughs> you know, before they they don't have the resources now. They sold their companies to rebuild their house how it was before. How am I helping them? And um, they cared for their yard. They were there immaculately, like with scissors, like trimming the grass, and um, all except for three of their 167 trees had burnt down. But just talking with them, they were hopeful for the future because hope wasn't in their house. It wasn't in uh, this emergency shelter. Um, they were a beautiful family that believed and loved God, and their future hopes was in Jesus, not in... Um, the circumstances of today. It wasn't in the Ukrainian government pushing out the Russians. It wasn't uh, in a bunch of missionaries coming and in, in, uh, saving the day by building them a house. It wasn't any of that. It was the hope that Jesus was king that kept them going and kept them um, fighting for, for their future. And when I think of hope, and I have to ask, what is hope? Uh, a lot of times I get it confused with the wish, uh, and uh, what is a wish? We wish you a Merry Christmas. But people who said that didn't have to go to Costco on Tuesday before Thanksgiving because there's no Merry Christmas when you got to go to Costco. Or maybe for some of you, you have an older sister like me. Looking forward to those Christmas holidays with my sister. It's so great. I love fighting. Um, but actually, I do. I, I actually have hope that my sister is going to change. I've seen her life, her whole life, I've known her. But um, uh, she's not walking with the Lord, and we've been praying for her forever. And finally, after so many painful choices and decisions she's made, uh, she's coming around. Like, her, she's trying to reconcile with her own kids. She's trying to uh, become a, a better human being. And the answer isn't uh, me trying to help her. It's not uh, my mom uh, telling her what she needs to do or how to be a better mom. Our hope is that Jesus is going to get a hold of her and, and radically change her life. And so 
for me, that's what hope is. It's not a wish or a dream. You know, a wish is hoping for something that's impossible. To where a hope is um, uh, something that's tangible, that you have the confidence that God is going to complete it. And so for me, I think uh, hope is so deeply intertwined with faith. And so when I think of homes of hope, my faith tells me that God is going to touch that family. It's not me building them a house or being able to be part of their story, which is great. You know, it's amazing I got to hold that little baby angel when he was one, and that's going to be a memory that his family remembers forever. Um, I remember the guy. I couldn't remember the baby's name or anything like that, but later when I went to visit the family, the kid remembered me like, hey, that was you, the builder guy. That was, I probably wasn't that smart. I think I might have taken him up on the roof with me and showing him, like, the view of the valley. He had a great view of, like, the valley and stuff like that. So uh, I was only, like, 21 at the time. So, uh, But his parents let me bring him up on the roof. So I think they were just afraid to say no. Or maybe I didn't understand. Google Translate wasn't around then to help me out. Uh, but anyways, our, our hope comes in the Lord. And uh, um, I have a, a, a verse here. I figured uh, I was teaching I should have at least one Bible verse, right? Uh, Hebrews 11 Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. This is is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understood that the universe was formed at God's command, so that was seen was not made out of what was visible. And so when I think of hope, it, it has to do with faith. Faith that God is who he said he is. And that's what gives me hope that I didn't know I could build 100 houses in Ukraine, but I knew I had to do something. I knew that um, maybe I built 79 houses. I don't know, but I was shooting for the moon because I wanted to impact and bless as many people as I was able to. And um, have you guys heard the story of Tammy Jo Schultz? She was an Air Force pilot. No, she tried to join the Air Force, but the Air Force told her no. Um, she was one of the first uh, women who ever fought in combat flying a plane. So Tammy Joel Schultz uh, tried to get in as, as a pilot in the Air Force. They told her no. Uh, after like three years of visiting different recruiters and um, visiting bases, trying to get in, trying to connect with people, they let her in the Navy. And the Navy gave her a job not as fighting in combat, but they let her be a safety expert. So she became an expert in emergencies of what to do. And so uh, later on after her military career, she joined Southwest and became a pilot for them. And on April 17th, uh, Tammy Jo Schultz um, had one of the craziest days of her life. But she had a habit of every morning, having her morning devotional. Um, uh, She would pray and share part of that devotional with her family. And on April 17th, she wrote, whatever you do, Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. And she sent that at 2.30 in the morning. So she was faithful with her devotionals. Normally, if I have an early flight, I plan on doing my devotional on the flight or something like that. But I guess if you're flying, that's a little bit more hard. You probably have things to do. But Tammy Jo Schultz that morning, uh, as they were taking off from uh, Guardia Airport, um, uh, she said she felt like the plane got hit by another plane. So as they were flying it, uh, the plane actually rotated a little bit, lost a little bit of altitude, and uh, she couldn't see what was happening. They couldn't hear. They just heard loud wind and 
a little bit of smoke starting to come into the airplane. And so uh, as she was trying to figure it out, they dropped altitude rapidly um, because they were losing power. And um, she um, finally realized that one of the engines had blown. And unfortunately, there was uh, someone who died from uh, the shrapnel blew out a window and uh, hurt, injured one passenger. Um, but Tammy Joe was able to radio back, not knowing if anyone could hear because they just heard wind coming through. <laughs> Through the airplane, you guys hear that really good? Get, get the point? But she radioed back and said, good news, we have control of the plane. We're going <clears> to <throat> emergency land in Philadelphia. And um, somehow one of the flight attendants heard, and they actually got up and walked down the aisle to each passenger and said, good news. I was going to yell in the mic, but I restrained. But they had to yell because nobody could hear. And actually, uh, the flight attendants, they found out that people didn't know how to do the mask properly. That was before 2020, you know, to put it over your nose and mouth. So they helped people put their masks on properly and told them, uh, good news, we're going to Philadelphia. We're going we're gonna to make it. Uh, anyways, um, Tammy Jo Schultz, she's done lots of interviews, wrote a lot of books and everything now. Um, and one of the things, I listened to one of her podcasts, and she said something that she hasn't said in her books, Nervous Still, or any other way, but she says, um, what the element of hope does for us is we had a plan, we had a destination, we had hope. Hope doesn't always change our circumstances, but it changes us, and it puts us on our feet and sets us forward. That's what hope does. Hope is when we have a destination, we have hope. So us as Christians, we know where we're going. We know how this plays out. And we could bring that to other people. It could be in our workplace. It could be at our Christmas dinner where we're wishing for a Merry Christmas. Uh, we could hope for, for the best. Um, we can love our neighbor. Maybe it's not building them a house. But there's something. Everybody needs a little bit of love and hope in the season. And it doesn't come from us. It comes from Jesus. And that's what I came to share with you guys this morning. So once again, I'm so thankful that you let me be a part of, of Ukraine. You guys enabled me to be there. Um, I'm really working hard to get John down to Mexico with you guys. So we'll see what happens. Did I say that out loud? Um, <laughs> But I, I love that you guys partnered with us and helped bring hope to Ukraine. Um, there's a, one more picture I want to share with you guys. That was a, the first lady of house number one, Galina. One of the things we were able to do is help um, scrape up bullet shells that were all over the yard or clean up the rubble. Um, she had one desire. Her husband passed away January of uh, 2021. And her prized possession were their wedding ring. She had them in a little container. And uh, uh, we dug through the rubble and helped her find her rings. And uh, so her, uh, that was her one dream and desire. She has a nice house now. Uh, I, I don't know if she's ever going to be able to rebuild her, her house that she had before. Probably not. But um, her prized possession uh, is that ring right there. And it's just the remembrance of, her life that she lived so well. 
and um, hopefully, hopefully she's got a few more, a few more years of life left in her. She was so sweet when uh, we went to do the house dedication for her. We, we do a little key ceremony in Homes of Hope. We gather up the family, and the team says a few words about their build experience. We pray for them. Um, we told her what we were going to do, and she disappeared. <laughs> we're like, where did she go? The 75-year-old lady hopped on her bike and started riding. Like, the store's like two miles away. She started trying to ride to the store to buy some chocolates and things like that to, to bless the team that built her house. So uh, one of our trucks intercepted her and helped her get the chocolates and get her back in time. We only had to wait like 10 minutes for her. But she wouldn't have it any other way. And we got back and we're trying to do it. And she's like, no, stop, wait. She went into her garden and picked tomatoes, uh, had a couple like slices of meat and um, some other homemade goodies that she tried to pawn off on us, which I definitely partook of. Um, but just the, the generosity she felt and the love and connection that we had, even though we didn't speak the same language. Um, but Google Translate helped me out a lot. Um, and then Anna was there. She helped translate as well. So um, it's easy to say that's house number one, but we helped 100 families in Ukraine. And now over 75 families around the world, 7,500 families around the world uh, through Homes of Hope. So thank you for being part of it. You have to talk into the microphone. So physically on the side like or help enabled? The side. Uh, probably 1,200 or something 1200. like that. 1,200, okay. And as amazing as that is, Cody, the thing that, that so strikes me, <laughs> you're contagious, dude. Um, Want to watch the video? Uh, no. Is, is that you still get emotional. You're, you're still connected on a heart level to the people you're caring for. And in a moment, I'm going to ask you to pray over us because those 1,200 homes, they represent 1,200 families that have heard you come down the aisle as they feel like their plane is going down saying, good news, we're going to make it. And I want to be that kind of a person. I never want to be the kind of a person who just does it and forgets that, I, too, am an emissary of hope that, that when I have an opportunity to go to, I think you said as you opened, if we were really loving our neighbors, what would it look like? That when I go to my neighbor, I go representing an arrival. The fact that our Savior has come, there is good news, and they're going to make it. I want that truth to resonate, not just the goodness of the deed, but the goodness of the God that is allowing me to care for people that way. So what, what I'm going to ask you to do, and you're... You're such a humble dude. I asked you to do this for the guys. I said, would you pray for us? And you just prayed for yourself and at the end said, oh, yeah, them too. Um, <laughs> I, I need the most prayer. But would, would you just pray? I think I'm going to ask you, uh, Cody, uh, to pray a commissioning prayer over us, that we would, we have been a generous people. We have been a serving people. But whatever God puts on your heart, my, my, my hope in having you come, uh, I was just kind of, honest with the Lord about it. I was like, whatever's on Cody, I want it to rub off on us. Um, that, that we would catch kind of whatever God has gifted you with to impact our community the way you're impacting the world. So would you just, would you receive that kind of a prayer as, as Cody prays that over us? Yeah. 
Yeah, God, selfishly, you know I want them to go to Mexico. But uh, you know that the harvest is ready here. They've been working the field, and the, the, the seeds have been spread and planted. And so, God, I pray that um, as they go to work in their communities or the schools or the grocery stores, that they would um, pour out hope on the people of this community and that um, people would come to know you in a powerful way. Uh, and that's what would lead them to love and serve you is an experience of knowing who you are. And so, God, I pray that these people would be conveyors of hope to their community. Uh, You've prepared them for a time such as this. And so, God, I ask your spirit to pour out upon them and bless them as they bless their community. We love you and are thankful for you. Amen. 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 Would you thank Cody? We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.